Today, in our um, ongoing series of the covenants of God, the oaths of God, is in Genesis 17. So if you will turn with me there, Genesis 17. The text is uh, verses 1 through 22. I'm going to skip over 11 through 14 and jump from 10 to 15 as I'm reading. So Genesis 17, starting in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face. And God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold... My covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. Verse 15, Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall come, shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Then he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can come freely and listen to your word and learn about you and learn from you. And we pray, Lord, that this morning you would teach us And that you would use your servant Paul to speak your truth to us, to our ears, to our heads, and to our hearts. And Lord, we pray that as we learn your covenants, 
we learn your character. For you are a covenant God. And it is that covenant and your character that keeps us and holds us. So, Lord, I pray that our faith would be increased today, that our knowledge would be increased, but mostly that our faith would be increased, Lord. Guide us and speak to us. Your servants are listening. Amen. Okay, so we're continuing our series on the oaths of God, God's oaths that he has taken throughout history to do certain things. These are all very big things that he's covenanted to do. And uh, as Steve read in this passage from Genesis 17, twice here God speaks of his everlasting covenant. He speaks of the covenant itself many times, but he says it's everlasting on two occasions. Now, as we saw Previously, and certainly last week in Genesis 15, I've tried to drive home to you, and will continue to do this, that God means what he says. Okay? It's very important that God does mean what he says. Because if God doesn't mean what he says, then we're forever guessing what he does mean. And if we're always guessing what he does mean, then we're not exactly sure what we're having faith in. Is our faith in the right thing? So it is crucial that we understand that God means what he says. Now sometimes, as here, that's kind of difficult to deal with because Abraham is 99, getting on 100 years old. Sarah is 90. And yet, here's God saying you're going to have a child. Now, yes, I do understand, according to the biblical chronology, which I absolutely believe, that people in this time, this is 2,000 years B.C., did live longer than they do today. In fact, when you see uh, the ages before the flood and the early chapters of Genesis, which are very large, very big, And then after the flood, they start to decline, okay? Less and less and less. And that probably has to do with the environmental changes that occurred because of the flood, okay? So Abraham's going to live much longer than this, and so Sarah, but still, a 100 years old, you can't blame Abraham in verse 17 for falling on his face and laughing, can you, at this one? Um, and and uh, Sarah will do the same thing. But God means what he says. So this is an important principle that needs to be uh, continually repeated. And it's, it's uh, germane to this chapter. And that is that if God's promises to us are clear and we know what it says, we are to believe it. But believing it doesn't mean we know how God's going to do it. And there is a difference, okay? God may tell us something or or lead us to do something that we don't 
really know how, how he's going to do it. How is this going to sort itself out? It doesn't seem to make sense. We glorify God by believing him anyway and, tr- and treating him as God. And the details are not ours to figure out. The details are his to figure out. Now let's give a, a real practical application of this, okay? So First Peter chapter 5 says, Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So what are you to do? Okay. But some of your cares, okay, might be, well, look, you, you don't understand. Some of the things that I have to deal with are like oppressing matters or they're things that really are, are big problems. Okay, you don't understand and I don't understand by just casting my cares on God. They're not going to go away. So you're trying to make sense of this, yes? You have the same thing in Philippians chapter 4 where it says be anxious for nothing. Anxious for what? Nothing, but in everything by supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the peace of God will come to you once you do what God says and be anxious for nothing. And you say, well, look, that's great. Thanks for that, but you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what I have to put up with. No, but I'm not God, so I don't have to understand, do I? You see? It's not my place to understand. If I was God, it would be my place to understand. But since there is a God already, okay, and there isn't a vacancy for God, and I wouldn't fill it even if I, there was a vacancy, then we can go to the God who is God who's telling you what to do and who knows how to deal with your problems. All he wants us to do is to trust him, not to figure it out. Because that's what we want to do. You know, how, how am I going to figure this out? I've got this bill to pay, for example. So, you know, either... Um, I don't know, either this money that I'm hoping for is going to come through on time, but it doesn't look like it, or this is going to happen here, or I'll get some extra hours at work. You're trying to figure stuff out, okay? And lo and behold, it gets sorted out a different way. And many of you here are familiar with the way God works like that, okay? You have stories where God has done just that. He's provided for you in ways that you weren't expecting. And sometimes you didn't, you know, he provided for you because he's gracious even though you were panicking. Isn't that true too? It's true of me, by the way. So let's just have this clear. God means what he says, so when he tells Abraham, that he's going to have a child, and he'd done this earlier, through Sarah, that's exactly what he means. But chapter 16 is the tale of Abraham not taking God at what he says. And the result was Ishmael. You see, time went by, the clock was ticking, he was getting older, Sarah was getting older. 
how am I going to figure this out? Well, maybe God wants me to, you know, have a child, a kind of surrogate child through Hagar. He's trying to figure it out. Do you see? And so that's the way he figures out. And the result is not only does uh, Ishmael come from it, from that union, but also there is tension between Hagar now and Sarah. And that will, that will kind of show itself in the next chapters where Hagar is told to leave with Ishmael. That's all down to not believing what God says and trying to figure it out yourself. Now, we all have a tendency to do this, okay? So I'm not blaming any, anyone or anything like that. But this, this manifests itself in many different ways. One of the ways that this manifests itself is with the interpretation of the Bible itself. You've all heard people say, you know, well, you can interpret the Bible any way you want. Well, of course you can. If you think, you know, in the beginning God created a cherry pie is what it means when it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then that's your interpretation, isn't it? Of course you can do that. But what do they really mean? They mean that the Bible is so, you know, difficult to understand or ambiguous that you can make different things of it. Well, that's not true. There's nothing difficult about what Steve just read there. Okay? Nothing difficult at all. The problem we often have is, well, but how's God going to do it? Well, maybe it doesn't mean exactly what God says. Maybe we should spiritualize it a bit more. Or maybe he's going to do it through these natural means, for example. And we try and work it out for God without God's help, which is what going back to the initial problem of our wanting to be independent of God. And we've all done that too. And we keep, actually, we keep doing it. When we read the Bible, we often want to be independent of God, even when we're reading it. Well, I know what it says, but it can't mean that. It must mean something else. Don't we do that? So that's what's going on here. Now, the first point, I know it's 14 verses long, but don't worry about it. We're not going through all the 14 verses. This has to do with the details of the covenant that God has already made in chapter 15, and he's reiterating here in chapter 17. It's the same covenant. Um, Verse 2 says, I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. Okay. That's good. Sounds good. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. That leads to a renaming of Abraham to Abraham, which means father of many nations. And then he says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. That's just an extension of what he'd already said in chapter 12 and chapter 15. And I will establish my covenant 
between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Who are the descendants of Abraham? Excuse me? No. The Jews. The Jews. Now, how do I know that? As we read down, we're going to see that the focus here is the covenant promise through Abraham and Isaac, the child of promise, the child of promise. You know, in fact, let's just skip there, okay? Um, after all of the, uh, the stuff about the sign of the covenant, I'll come a little bit back to that, but uh, skipping back here, look at verse 18. Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Oh, you know, Ishmael, that's the that's my inter- false interpretation of the Bible and the result of it. Oh, that he would be the one that you really mean. And what's God's answer? No. Because that's not what God said in the first place. That's Abraham's mess. Now, because God is gracious, he's going to bless Abraham, uh, Ishmael too. Okay? But not through the covenant. Not through the covenant. So, going back here to verse uh, 9, God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenants, you and your descendants after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep. Between me and you and your descendants after you, every male child among you shall be circumcised. Eight days old, verse 12. And uh, those who are going to be, who, who don't circumcise, verse 14, they have broken that covenant. They are not counted as in that covenant. So Jews have circumcised their male children at eight days as a sign of that covenant. This gets embedded also in the Mosaic Covenant a little later on. So the sign of the covenant with Abraham is male circumcision. And uh, it's just true that in the ancient world, yes, there were certain people, certain nations that did practice a form of circumcision. But nobody practiced Male circumcision at eight days old in the ancient world. This is a peculiar thing and sign that God gave to uh, Abraham and also to Israel. So the sign of the first covenant, if you remember, was the rainbow. So when when you see a rainbow, okay, what I hope that you think Noah, and I hope you think no more flood and the promises of God stand fast. That's what you should do. Because it's the sign of that covenant. Male circumcision is the sign of the covenant uh, to Abraham. This covenant is a covenant of descendants, which of course will make up a nation, and also of land. Okay? Also of land. And we saw that in uh, the last chapter, and this is also mentioned here uh, in this chapter too. So, 
We have the two aspects of, of the covenant, descendants and land. But we need to get a bit more specific. Before that, I have a musical accompaniment here for just for this, this part here. All right. Sarah, or Sarai, she needs to get renamed. Her name means princess, but she has to have a name that befits this new covenant, you see. So she's going to be called Sarah, which is mother of many nations. That's what it means, okay? So he's father of nations, and she's the, the, the mother. Again, though, through this uh, this seed. So... Verse, um, verse 17 and 18, going back to this. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, he uses a new name, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, trying to figure it out again, okay? This is what he's trying to do. He's trying to give his interpretation of God's words because he finds God's words too difficult to believe. So his mind switches to Ishmael. Oh, that Ishmael, my interpretation, might live before you. And God said, verse 19, no. Well, that's plain enough, isn't it? Is that clear enough? Okay? Those through Ishmael are not included in the Abrahamic covenant. Okay? They are not part of the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant here, as far as descendants and land is concerned, now there is another aspect that does include them, by the way, which is the uh, blessing to the nations, which we'll look at in chapter 22 again. But... These two aspects that this chapter is talking about, no is the answer. Only those through the child of promise. You can see I'm already at uh, my third point here. That child of promise is going to be called Isaac. So you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then, of course, the tribes of, of Israel. But he doesn't just say no. He repeats what he meant or what he said originally. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. This is verse 19. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. His descendants are the Jews. Which means the Jews can look forward to being a nation before God and having a land that is given to them. They have to be... Now, please note this. There is, there is some qualification here that I think needs to be thrown in. These Jews, they can be proselytes. They can be people that, that align themselves with the Jewish people. But generally and mostly, this is talking to people who are... Uh, biologically connected to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? Not all Jews are. Okay? But this is particularly talking about them. Okay? 
the genealogical aspect is sometimes forgotten and it is somewhat important. So, Israel, who will come from this, and we'll of course do a lot more on this, Israel does have a right to the land that was given to Abraham and does have a right to its own existence. But that does not mean right now that God is pleased with Israel as it stands right now. Do you understand? You can be pro-Israel and anti-Israel at the same time because God is. Most people in Israel are unbelievers. Most people in Israel and Jews generally do not recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Okay? They reject him. So they are in rebellion. We'll cover this a lot more, of course. But they are in rebellion. Yet, don't mess with them. Don't mess with Israel because God also has a covenant through Abraham with them. Do you see? Okay. And again, lots more to say about that. Mike, uh, he's, verse 20 is a blessing upon Ishmael because God is gracious. And then my covenant I will establish with Isaac. So who is the covenant with? Is it with Ishmael? No. Am I interpreting this? Am I spiritualizing anything here? Or am I just reading what it's saying? Okay, this is how you interpret the Bible. There are passages that are much more difficult than this one, but this one's not. Okay? Is it going to be through Ishmael? God's answer, no. Is it going to be through Isaac? God's answer, yes. Okay. If we've got that, and it's an everlasting covenant, then we're in a position to move forward and interpret the Bible on those two premises. And we'll be, if we keep those in mind, we'll be okay. At least mostly. Still a lot to come, of course. We're only in Genesis. But, but, uh, we should be okay. All right. Finishing off here then. Um, my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time, set time next year. Then he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So, guess what we're going to read about next? We're going to read about the birth of this child, of Isaac. Because, folks, as simple as this phrase is, God's people have a problem with it. God means what he says. And you're to have faith in that. And if you have faith that God means what he says, you're glorifying God. You're not trying to figure out how God's going to do it. You're not trying to uh, <clears throat> give an independent evaluation of what God says and come up with a spiritualized meaning. Okay? As, we, as we'll see when you, we get to chapter 22, there is a, an absolutely essential point of interpretation that Abraham better get right 
when he goes up to Mount Moriah. <clears throat> okay? And there we see Abraham has learned his lesson. He no longer spiritualizes. He's prepared to do exactly what God tells him to do. That's the great interpretive lesson here. You say, well, how will that apply to me? Well, isn't it? I, I, I hope the application is fairly simple. The first thing is, if God says, don't worry about stuff, give it to me, what are you to do? Believe what he, that he means what he says. Okay? Believe that he's got your back. You glorify him when you do that. You trust him when you do that. You say, well, yeah, but everything's up in the air. No, it seems up in the air to you, but it's actually not because God's got it in his hands. Do you see? Maybe there's a, 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 a you're going through you know, cancer treatments or, or, or um, there are, there's a death in the family or financial problems or you've lost your job or whatever it might be. I know it's hard. And it hits you. And I know Satan's jabbering away in your ear as well about, well, God, how's he going to sort this out? He's, for, he's forgotten you. He's forsaken you. Okay? Tell Satan to go away in the name of Jesus and believe what God says. The New Testament tells us that if you believe on the name of Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins on the cross, that he rose again for your justification, and that if you trust in him, God will acquit you. He will not see your sins anymore. You will not stand before God and be judged for your sins. And therefore, you have right as a citizen of heaven to go to heaven. That's what he means. The question is, do you believe him and are you going to accept what he says? Because, folks, God means what he says. Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, we all have to learn this lesson and we have to actually learn it again and again. But I'm thankful, Lord, that you do mean what you say. I'm thankful that uh, your actions follow your words. And we can trust them. We can rely on them. We don't have a capricious God and we don't have a, a God that we have to figure out what you mean and, and spiritualize things. We can actually believe things. And, and if even if we don't know how you're going to do it, Lord, that you're going to do it should be enough. So help us rest in that, Lord. And we're very grateful that we have a word from you to rest in. We pray, Heavenly Father, uh, also that our fellowship, our pizza fellowship, would be blessed by you, that our conversation would be edifying, and that you'd bless the food. And thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.